talk about stuff tonight? I do. Okay, good. Let's do it. Okay. It's time for the Art and Science Punks, the podcast where we talk about art, science, technology. As punks, we love to create, to explore, to fail sometimes, to learn, and to listen to loud music. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hi, I am Rob Stenzinger. Hey, Robbie. Tonight we are going to talk about... Well, I mean, pregnant pauses. <laughs> I totally went blank. No, it's... Female engineers. Yeah. Engineering and yeah. chicks. Can I say chicks? Uh, I think I that's can... your call. I think, yes, you can. I like, I like to say chicks, but females in engineering. I don't mean to offend yeah. anyone. Yep. Go Women, sisters. girls. Yep. All ages. Yeah. Um, I mean, and by way of, uh, I think, a little bit of reflection, a little bit of uh, um, looking at the, that, the big concept of there, there seems to be some kind of um, imbalance in representation. Yeah, yeah a little gender and disparity. Then, in yeah. um, Typically, in they kind of categorize it as the STEM, um, both ed- higher education and workforce. Mm. It's been closing. I mean, it's it's been getting better, right? So that gap, that gender gap, has been um, getting better um, the last few years, um, based on some of the the data that the the National Science Foundation releases. But their mm. data, you know, it's it's like any other kind of big government organization with data. And I work with this stuff a lot, so I kind of can speak from a little bit of knowledge here a year or two behind. So I think Mm. their most recent data is like 2014. They have a few things out there for 2015. Okay. Um, So it's still back a few years, but you do see that gap um, closing somewhat, but I think there's still more work to be done. Where, what, what aspect of this did you want to explore first? Let's talk about what we did today. Okay. Well, what we did today, I think, is it directly speaks to uh, the uh, attempt from a variety of organizations. Oh, I was going to say to to try to close the gap, right? Yeah, I was going to say when we sat our girls down and we just yelled, "You will be engineers," over and over again. <laughs> sure. Put Barbie down. Put put it down. Nope. You will be engineers. Exactly. It's uh, eh, I don't think that would work. <laughs> No, we didn't that do work? that. We didn't do that. Would we that took work? them to a really cool event instead. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so the the event is called Girl Time, and it's at this place where we've talked about before. It's the Works Museum, and that happens to be a um, sort of a, a, a STEM based uh, institution that that supports a variety of different events and also yeah, it's uh, a just exhibits that you can go explore. It's a great hands-on engineering museum. So lots of things to build with that you can go and and it's all focused on kids and you can go and and build and create with their materials. Totally. Things like um, you can race cars built out of connects. You can stack these really heavy, satisfying um, bricks, right? Yeah. But they're, they're, they're rubber. I guess, okay, they're not cement or something. I mean... They're satisfying because they they're safe and made out and rounded and made out of rubber. It'd be hard to get hurt with them if you even tried. But like, they stack really well and yeah and yeah they're great. They're and they're big. Um, 
in a variety of interactive exhibits. Yeah, some really cool stuff. They've got a maze that has like lasers and sounds and stuff that you can try and kind of, you know, ninja your way through. The kids always like doing that. <laughs> and uh, they also host events like Girl Time. And uh, Girl Time is really, it's great. We've gone, we've gone for a couple of years now um, mm-hmm. to this event. And it's wonderful because it's focused on um, not only just like getting girls and females interested into engineering and technology and science, but also um, the majority of the presenters or exhibitors are all females. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one year we went and like the Department of Transportation had all of their female crew workers there and had some cool, and they would show kind of how they build roads and the things that they think about with building roads. And each of the exhibits um, typically have something interact. Well, they all have something interactive for the kids to do. A lot of them have something for the kids to actually build and they can either build something that they walk away with or just build using the tools that are there. And then, you know, the tools stay there, but um, it's very interactive, very hands-on um, and just kind of a wide variety of things. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'll admit right off the bat that I was super excited for today um, was um, there was a, a group of, um, engineers that were showing how lipstick is made. And I know that sounds like super girly, but they, they brought all of the science to it and had it kind of all sitting there. And what was cool about it is it was something real world that the kids could understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas like some of the pipe fitting things are the, what was the pressurized one? Yeah. The pressurized, pressurized one kept referring to, uh, to the, the, the people who demonstrated, they were fun. They did they a great job. They were super fun right? and they had really fun interactive things to and do. Some of the examples, they, they referred to managing what oil pipelines. Yeah. Oil pipe. And, there you go. That's what it was. And some gas oil. pipeline. Yep. Yep. There you go. And their, their device has to do with, uh, monitoring. Yeah. And pretty much a pipeline of what there's going to be something in the pipe because otherwise, why do you have the pipe? And they wanted, you know, to use this device to know how's it going. Yeah. And uh, they, it works whether there's an actual liquid in a pipe or if someone's squeezing um, a handlebar and spring together. That's right. It was really cool. So they had a computer hooked to it and you would, and, and there was a countdown and you would squeeze the handlebar uh, and then it would measure like how many pounds of pressure you put on it mm-hmm. versus how many pounds of pressure the tool can actually, you know, measure. Which I think it's somewhere around, what would they say, 2,000 PSI? 20,000 is It was 20,000. Oh, right, 20,000. Because it had gone up because of some changes. Exactly, and then we got to learn how they used to have a version that only did 10,000. Now they, yeah, anyway, yeah. which is fun. I mean, you get to, you it know, it's cool. like getting excited about the numbers and the details is part of it, right? Yeah. So it's, it's neat that they're sharing this stuff. And... Yeah, I mean, so there's a, just a variety of, uh, like, it's it, it's kind of like an expo in a bunch of small classroom kind of things, you yeah. know, from room to room. And in uh, each table, have like you mentioned, having something to interact with, typically. Sometimes a takeaway as well. Yeah. Like, um, could, be, could be swag, like a pen, or it could be, um, like, making slime. Yeah, they make slime. And then there was... Um, a group there explaining uh, fiber optic, was it fiber optic cable or was it? Yep. Fiber optic cable. They were explaining fiber optic cable and they could show you, you know, you actually could kind of see they had a little piece there so you could see what it was. And then their activity was 
they gave the kids a piece of um, a Twizzler and had them wrap it up in a fruit roll-up <laughs> to protect the Twizzler, um, which was the fiber optic cable. It's like cable. conceptually, this is more storytelling with their science, It right? was very funny. Uh, and also saying, hey, you know, this almost... it. Almost nutritious candy, not so whatever. I don't know. That, no, it's that, just candy. It's pretty much just candy, but like, hey, candy's fun and and we have a, a fun demo. So. But they were really cool because they would say things like, make sure you wrap it up good so the squirrels can't chew through, you know, and get to your <laughs> cables and all that kind of stuff. So they had to, you know, and I will say, you know, anytime we've gone to this event, the, the expo people, the presenters are so, so good with, I think, a very wide variety of kids' ages. You know what I mean? I think that's really a, a skill and a talent that they can talk about their science and their engineering with such a wide variety of ages mm-hmm. of kids that come through there. Totally. And there, there's, yeah, there's a, a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity for kids to, to ask questions. And especially if it's a table where you're trying to build things, like there was a few different tables that dealt with, um, completing a circuit. Those were super fun. Absolutely. And, uh, let's see what was, well, wait a minute though. So we're saying kids, but this, this event is called girl time. So it's important to mention that it's inclusive. Oh yeah. It's for everybody. I mean, boys can come to girl time. Plenty of boys were there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it's really just about, um, again, having these female engineers kind of share their experience and their work. Um, there was a couple, there was a group of college kids Mm -hmm. that are part of, um, like a professional group of female engineers and they had, um, you know, brought some of their ideas and had some fun activities for the kids to do. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely open to, to everybody. Um, this is, this seems like a perfect time to look at, well, these events exist to create, um, emphasis and awareness that these fields, um, are viable for everybody, right? Not, Absolutely. not just boys. And the why this, that, that exists is based on the need of the whole, the mm-hmm. leaky pipeline of going from like maybe earlier in school and we'll, we'll link to a few articles as, yeah, absolutely. and, um, and of course this is, there's plenty of research you can take as your own homework, but the, um, there's a bit of a leaky pipeline of, of gen, like gender balance where people intending to go into, uh, some kind of STEM field and especially computer science where, by the time someone goes from like middle school to high school to, you know, early college to later in college and, you know, graduation and whatnot, the, that percentage changes significantly. And right. Yeah. And so, and I mean, and I've, I've seen that anecdotally in my career where I've, I've been on, I've, I've been privileged to be on very diverse teams at times but then also have seen it from the other perspective where teams are, are um, in the role of someone doing, especially computer science. So I've, I've, oh, I've sure. worked in yeah. um, essentially designing and building software um, for, you know, a couple decades now. And um, it's, yep. From, from what I've seen, it's, it's like teams definitely have a, have a need in the professional world to where, you know, I, I've seen the result of the, the leaky pipeline and how there's a lack of uh, female representation and also have felt the benefit of when, when a team is more diverse, right? Both mm-hmm. gender and culture, 
diverse. Um, there's this, this little bit of, um, it's, it's a great dynamic where, where not everyone is somehow letting some kind of giant cultural assumption take over when, how, how do people, how do we interact and decide things? Yeah. And when the team is running well, right? Because I guess yeah. I've been on diverse teams that don't actually run well <laughs> as well. Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to find this right with any team in any setup. Some things are going to work better than others. Um, but I think there's research that has shown and we think we both have had experiences where, you know, teams that are, are more diverse and have more ideas seem to um, be more successful. I'm trying yeah. to find the right it's words not there, just, but I'm and so say, it's not, this is obvious. I mean, chances are, if you're listening to the art and science punks, you're like, Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, and, and as far as let's see, just because you could have this belief as a cultural bias saying like, you know what? Diverse is good. I'm right there with you. And also there is um, like, there are measurable performance metrics that you could say that a team that has more diversity performs better where, um, a team that has diversity is going to be less focused on sort of uh, personalities taking over. They're going to focus focus more on facts. And um, then because they're not assuming everything all the time based on like, we're all the same, right? Right. Yeah. The, the facts will get processed better. And uh, I mean, the results and the outcomes are will be, you know, more, more innovative. And I think, you know, diverse in a, in a number of ways. I think we're kind of focusing tonight on gender diversity, but totally, you know, diverse in, in a great number of ways, yep. um, I think is really important. Absolutely. Um, so every angle, more diversity, the better, um, getting different, different perspectives together to, to work on the same problems and having shared missions are, is, is fantastic. So, and one article I, I'll, I'll link to is this one at Harvard Business Review, Why Diverse Teams Are Smarter. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things too, when we think about women and girls in, in STEM fields, science and technology and engineering fields is and I haven't read the research on it and I'm very kind of curious to, to dive in and take a look, but what does that pathway like, look like? Because there isn't as big of a difference in like, if you look at like standardized testing, there's not that giant gap in, in kind of test scores. And so why are women either not choosing to, or not completing, um, kind of pursuing those, those fields? Misogyny, right? Straight up. Like that's the problem. It's, it's, it, there are established authority figures actively and passively because of their biases, um, you know, rewarding groups that they are biased toward and then not rewarding groups that they are biased against to put it mildly because, yeah. and, if, and if honestly, it, I've been privileged also to hear stories from, from the women I've worked with in my career that it is, um, the kinds of, di the discrimination that women face is significant and persistent and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's still, it still happens. And it, it, it seems to be from what I can understand on more, let's see when on teams that actually have a little more gender diversity, not just like one representative representative from a different gender. Sure. Uh, it's better. Right. So 
and also diverse cultures. I mean, anything that sort of sh- shakes up the the traditional, the, the monoculture, right? Right. And uh, because a monoculture is inherently less um, less equipped to think things through from multiple perspectives and do better perspective taking and be less um, presumptive and whatnot. So anyway, um, yeah. that um, yeah, anecdotes, firsthand experience. I'm I'm thinking back to kind of when I was you know growing up and coming of age and pursuing you know kind of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do, mm. and I was um, I think in those high school years and early um, and into college, um, I was I was pretty fiery. So I just wonder where that comes from because I'm like, yeah, nothing would have kind of stopped me from going the direction I wanted to go. Fair enough. And so you can have, um, we all have, uh, let's see, different levels of privilege, right? Being, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, being in our, you know, where we're from, where, yeah. um, and I went to a different... very nice university and mm-hmm. had uh, many options. I had, I guess I will say, so if they don't listen, I did have a little pushback from my parents on <laughs> some of my choices, <laughs> but, um, they didn't win. You know what I mean? Like okay. the, I, continued doing what I wanted to do. Um, and there, that's where we can have the privilege of our own sort of, um, makeup and, and, um, and which can be a combination of our nature and nurture. Oh, absolutely. So then you're in a position where you have greater psychological resilience towards certain things. Well, and I also grew up in a, in a place and in a time and and with the, exactly as you said, with the privilege where, you know, I wasn't kind of questioned or told I don't fit or don't belong, you know, every step of the way. And I know there's, um, a great number of, of people, um, women in particular, but a great number of people that do have that experience. And so I think that would make it more challenging. Yeah, um, to me, it's just like, yes. it, it kind of hits. It strikes and it strikes me, and it hits home for me because I'm of a. Um, you can be anything you want to be. Anybody can be anything they want to be, and can pursue their dreams and should pursue their dreams and what they kind of feel passionate about. Yeah. Um, and so, to know that societally we don't we're not real great at that is hard for me. Yeah, it's disappointing. And it's so, incredibly like, and disappointing. So what do you do is you can you can help uh, with you know supporting and creating and partaking in any yeah. kind of way in these kind of events. It was such right? a fun event today. Yeah, and and also, um, in 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 your day to day, right? I mean, if uh, let's see, if you're in a situation where you need the encouragement, there are other organizations that that are like. I mean, and honestly, some of them are represent, were represented at, at this event, Girl Time. Yeah, there was a, where, a mentor organization yeah. that was pretty cool. So awesome. And for, for different ages where maybe you need this when you're in elementary school or middle school or high school or mm-hmm. college, whatever, it's, you know, there are resources. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll, I mean, we'll for sure link to the Girl Time event. And I know there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, participant links and stuff on their site. Yeah, absolutely. For the works, yeah. So, um, I mean, so it's, it's finding some kind of your own capacity to try to, you know, dig in and start, um, making it go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Um, one other thing I want to say, and this is something that I know the works has done, and I think some other areas have done, is you know they offer um, an awful lot of like camps and um, classes and workshops, you know, for kids. And what I've noticed is is really interesting. Is so they'll offer, um, for example, like a robo coding class where the kids go in and they build um, with these specialized Legos. Um, you know, vehicles and robots, and then they um, there's components in there that they can then program on the, on an iPad to make them drive or walk or these different things. Yeah. But I ev- thing. I think it's either we do or Mindstorms. I think you're absolutely right. I th- and think it's we do, but we don't have either in our house. So anyway, dun dun dun. Follow up opportunity. Right. We got to figure that out. We do have to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but they will offer a session or two of those that is just for girls. And I find it really interesting and, and very also encouraging, right? So that, you know, give an opportunity to, to girls to not have that um, same level of, um, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is. I was going to say same level of competition, but then I feel like I'm stereotyping or something. Um, or it's, it's plugging a bootstrapping a, problem, right? Plugging a bias it's a boost, because we have this ideal of like, you know what, this, this should be more equal, but yet it's not. And, um, uh, yeah, I've, I, let's say I've been at events where I've seen, you know, boys push girls aside. Right? Yeah. And is it a thing that they're going to continue to do as they grow older? I don't know, but here they are. And I see this happening. And then, you know, I'm trying to pro- provide a, a gentle space for, for everybody, but I'm like, no, my, my daughter's going to be included here. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Did you not see us being next in line? Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah. the, <sighs> creating a safe space and then that safe space building confidence and capacity to then head out into the other spaces that maybe, maybe ho- hopefully are just as safe, but then may not be then you're more ready because you've had some practice. But I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's been a nice, um, option, uh, for, and I think too, I mean, all kids are different, right? There are some uh, boys and some girls where they, um, they are more shy or more, um, introverts and extroverts. That's the word I could not come up with. They're more introverted in, you know, in those types of situations. And so I think it's really cool that they, they have offered those. And I think it's very encouraging to say, you know what, we're going to very intentionally create this safe space for this, you know, three day camp. It's not like, you know, they're creating a whole school around it, but for this three day camp, you can take this version, you can take this version. I don't know. I like it. I think it's cool. Absolutely. So, I mean, these are all different strategies, right? Where, you know, depending on, you know, where, where you and those, you know, little ones that, that you care for or involved with somehow, then, um, yeah, there, there are, there are options. And it honestly, and at any age, because I've, I follow, you know, a variety of folks on Twitter, um, some, some feminists and whatnot that, that are involved in the, in dealing with the sort of the professional circumstance of saying, um, here is a community that you can get together and it's, you know, it, it's, it, there's female coders of, of different, um, different focuses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of groups. There's a lot of groups out there. There's a lot of people, I think, focusing on this and pursuing this and encouraging this and, 
in really just um, kind of helping to to close that gender gap. And again, for me, it, it's not about we want to have you know a fifty fifty in all these science and technology and engineering um, fields. For me, it's about I just want people to pursue whatever it is they want and to have an equal shot, regardless of well, their color, size, shape, gender. Absolutely. Yes. So diversity all around, yeah. inclusivity all around. And uh, honestly, with there's roughly 50, 50% and as far as gender. And then uh, hopefully, you know, given the general population percentage, if you look at a given profession and the population percentage, whether that's culture or gender or whatever, doesn't quite match a representation, you can go, hmm, maybe there's some friction there for those. Right. For those people that want to yeah, do that. Exactly. And that's just, that's very objective. Well, you can, you know, as far as something to, to notice. Yeah. To look at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here that, I think that covers a, a bunch of our, our own sort of personal encounter with this stuff, which could go, we could obviously dive in a lot deeper and all that. Um, but then, you know, in part in our professional lives and being parents and these kind of events, and uh, a few article mentions, but then what do you think? I think we should do some picks. Awesome. Okay. All for it. I have a science pick tonight that I'm kind of excited about. Okay, cool. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yes. So let me start by asking, do you remember when your children were born? Like... What do you mean by when my children were born? As far as time of the day? Just, do you remember the event? I remember a lot about it. But actually, I've, I've been thinking, like, I want to do some, like, per, like interview myself to pick out moments that are in particular about one or the other, right? Yeah. Because it kind of blurs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the two the two births were very, very similar. So, yeah, no, I I agree that there are things that are... Yeah, and there then, was there were certainly some signif- significant differences as far as steps <laughs> steps and what happened first and next and and what did or didn't happen on either. But like, you know, it, it the variety of things, same hospital, same you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you remember? Um, since you seem to recall the birth of our children, the births of our children. <laughs> yeah, I was there, and I wasn't on drugs, so. So you, you recall? Yeah. Um, do you remember at one minute? Uh, past birth and five minutes past birth, the children being scored, being like little test that happens. Yeah. 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 So the APGAR score. Okay. So what I didn't know is so, uh, and people, if you have kids, you, you're familiar with the APGAR score. So something that happens one minute after birth and five minutes after birth, um, where they score the kids and it's just checking basically their oxygen levels and, and how well they're kind of responding just to make sure that, that they're doing okay. It's kind of a very fast five, like five point questionnaire kind of a thing that you get scored a zero, one or a two on and then you get a score and that helps the staff in the you know delivery area know kind of how is this baby doing it has really revolutionized i mean it's been it's been a fantastic thing anyway the apgar score was developed by virginia apgar who was one of the first female surgeons really yeah she first female docs i mean she wasn't the first but she was she was in there she was um one of the first docs. So she was born in 1909 and she went to, 
Okay, I just want, I'm sorry, I'm holding in like a giant heck yes reaction. Right. And trying to filter out like the bigger swears that let me get out emotions. Because <laughs> like, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, and I thought since we were talking about awesome chicks tonight, because I can say that, um, what I would, I would do Virginia Apgar. So we'll do a little link to kind of her and her bio, but she, um, she did that in 1952 is when she developed the Apgar. And it, she was an anesthesiologist at the time. And this is when anesthesiology um, has just kind of become um, a, a doctor part of, you know, okay. I mean, it, it had so been. So it's like an advanced specialization? like maybe For was, a physician, for okay. a doctor. And so, you know, same, it's the stuff that we were just talking about. She was not well respected, um, you know, because other doctors didn't consider it an equal. She really wanted to be a surgeon. She had her heart set on being a surgeon. She actually did you know, complete that training, but the head of the surgery department, um, women he had previously trained had not made a career of it. And so he encouraged her to go a different direction and encouraged her to go to anesthesiology, Mm. um, which was kind of an up and coming field. And that originally had kind of sounded to me like, you know, Oh, like he was discouraging her. But if you read kind of some of the writing that this, that this surgeon had done is it was like, she had so much drive and we needed to advance this part of the field that I knew she'd be like a good person for it. So I don't know, you know, history, read it how you want, but right. Um, but yeah, so she achieved many of her goals and she ended up being, um, the first woman at Columbia university, um, to be a full professor, the first woman at Columbia to be a full professor. And that was in 1949. Wow. And yet to this day, every single day when babies are born, they are given an APGAR score. I always thought it was an acronym for something. Seriously? I, it sounds like an acronym. <laughs> nope. Virginia APGAR. That's my science pick. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's see. I feel like making a joke about a male phoning it in. Compared to that. Um, <laughs> Because my pick are markers and paper. Um, but in particular... Were they, were they invented by women? Probably. <laughs> I hope so, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I did not markers. research. Yeah. I don't know the lineage of these uh, yeah, markers and paper as uh, far as... Uh, I love markers and paper, the representation. Though. But then, okay, so but specifically... Oh, okay. Specifically, I think when... Um, I don't know. This is something I'm guessing. And I'm, I'm guessing this based on my own experience, our experience as a family when we get together to draw. And also when, um, like, I notice other parents talking about drawing with their kids, posting stuff, social media, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like the kids get Crayolas, but then someone who is an adult, you know, who's like, yeah, I've, I've drawn for a long time. I, I love these um, these materials and I have taste and I'm going right. To, I need the yeah. expensive fancy topics. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes. <laughs> Fine. That's As me. As an example. F- fair enough. Yes. That's me. I, I, right. So we have a copic Crayola divide in our house. Right. And I'm not saying like, so that's, that's not trivial. So one reason that divide exists is, is simple economics, right? So if you're going to, um, hammer a marker into a page, I'd rather you do that with a Crayola and have no regret. If I, when I see I, a tear comes down my face, if I see that with a Copic marker, that's like six, seven, eight bucks. Right. Depending. Yeah. So, well, and I'll tell you too, the other reason that the kids get the Crayolas is because they're washable. They're going to come out. Absolutely. Yeah. Most of the time. Right. <laughs> yes. 
So, okay. Acknowledging that maybe, you know, so maybe you're past some of the hammering a marker into a page. And if you are, I just want to propose that it is really fun to share like a brush pen and maybe some sturdier paper that this is my pick, right? So, um, and the brush pen I'm recommending today, um, I, I, I sometimes for myself, I'll use like a Pentel pocket brush pen and I, and, or I will use like a Kuretake brush pen and those are like refillable sort of cartridge based pens and what have you, Mm -hmm. but more delicate, you know, not quite up to the task for someone coming up and practicing though. Honestly, if you're feeling bold and want to give it a shot, don't hold back and you know, good luck. But the one I'm picking is the Tombow, uh, dual brush pen. Nice. The Tombows are not as they're, they're not sort of based on a, you know, multiple plastic or, or, you know, synthetic hairs, right? Okay. They are sort of a, um, a brush shape. So like a conical, um, spongy tip, right? But it's sturdy kind of. Not not sturdy where it's like, oh, it's hard to draw with, but like they would maybe take a a little bit of force, right? For a young hand, that's not quite... Sure. Yeah. Not quite um, getting more, you know, nuance. Nuance and practice, yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, so the Tombow brush pens are... And it's awesome. So like you put a line down on a page and you, you, you are meant to push on this at different weights. And you can, that's satisfying. You see that's the, how this cool. pen, yeah, it's expressive. It has this flexibility. So I think, I think those are pretty good. And in the realm of brush pens, they're on toward the more affordable range. So are they washable by chance? Probably not. Okay. So, well, instead of drawing on you or them or walls, I would, I'm actually recommending as my, the second part of my pick. Oh yeah. Um, is, is getting some, some cardstock. Right. Or it, it's sometimes called Bristol. Um, but then I have a, a particular one that uh, that I've ordered before that that's worked out well. We love cardstock. And yeah, it's just it takes the ink better. It doesn't leak on, you know, the different surfaces behind it. And uh, it stands up to a little bit of force and wear and tear where the art will come out still a nice flat piece of paper. And in the end, so yeah, a little bit nice. of cardstock, a little bit of brush marker. You got a whole new kind of. Now I want to get out experience. markers and paper. Me too. All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. We're gonna go do art. <laughs> All right. Oh, should we? I suppose we should finish up, huh? Yeah. Good idea. All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. Thank you for listening and being part of our art and science punks community. Robbie, tell the fine people where they can find us online. Sure. Art and science punks has a blog at artandsciencepunks.com. And we are Art and Science Punks on Instagram. Yet on Twitter, there's no and. We are just Art Science Punks. And you can find our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm or on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Podcasts, where we would appreciate your kind words and ratings. Thanks, and you can tweet me at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. Keep building, making, and sharing. Power to the women. No more, no bonus material. I got nothing else for you.